Wow. This has been incredible. I actually, um, I was here at the beginning. I left at 9 thinking I'd go home, sleep, come back at like 3, you know, maybe 4. I couldn't fall asleep, so I decided better be restless here than be restless trying to fall asleep in my bed. And this has just been unbelievable. Uh, I feel like I was like, just went through the best youth group worship night lock-in ever. Um, seriously, it's been amazing. I, like, like how Scott said earlier, my cup is just overflowing. Um, but it's funny because four weeks ago, as I sat right where Lane is sitting, right next to Lane actually, um, during a church service, it was the opposite. I was terrified. Because two days before that, one of my best friends who was made around my wedding, she had accidentally swallowed these industrial-grade chemicals. Um, and the night before, that Saturday night, I had seen her in the ICU, and she did not look good. She had a tube down her throat, was like, you know, filled with all sorts of needles and everything. And the doctors were hopeful, though, that the, they had contained the burning, the chemical burn. That Sunday morning, I, I knew something had gone wrong. And later, like in between the services, her husband had texted me saying that she was going into surgery, and that was not supposed to happen. And I knew that if this burn burned through her esophagus and the chemical got out into her chest, she could die. And I knew that if it burned through her esophagus and she developed any sort of infection, she could die. She actually could die. My friend was like, she's Greek, she's full of life, hospitality, warm. She's a very energetic and deep, a person of deep, deep faith. She could die. On this early morning, what is it that you're afraid of? When we look at the world around us, it seems like we have every right to be afraid. Probably even this morning, if you opened your news, there'd be some sort of report of gang violence or terrorist attack somewhere in the world. Our world is riddled with sin, disease, and destruction, and we fear not only for ourselves, but for our families, for our children, for our loved ones. We fear for our safety. We fear death. We are afraid even of falling into repeated sin or back into depression. We are afraid that we can't pay the bills, make ends meet, and we fear that we are going to fail in school, in our jobs, maybe in our marriage or family life. So what is it this morning that you are afraid of? In this beautiful passage that Chris read for us, Zephaniah is prophesying to a very afraid Israel. Because in the first two and a half chapters leading up to it, Zephaniah has prophesied of Israel's complete destruction of their, because of their sin and disobedience. The whole book is about the coming of the day of the Lord, like so many of the prophecies that have been read tonight have been about. The, day, the Lord says that that day is a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom. So the people of Israel should be afraid, for destruction is coming, and honestly, it's a destruction that they deserve, for they have completely broken their covenant with God. Zephaniah is prophesying right after the reign of two of the most evil kings in Israel's history, or Judah's history, Manasseh and his son Ammon, who led Israel into grave sin and replaced the worship of God with the worship of false idols. They removed from the temple the Lord and put in idols. Okay, now, this might be because I live in the world of, you know, Plato and Crayons with being a children's ministry director, but the image that I get of this utter destruction that is coming upon Israel is like that of a toddler who has built a Lego tower and just smashes it to smithereens. I mean, it is destroyed. If you've ever seen them playing in there, 
they know how to destroy their Legos. Um, but then, in the middle of the third chapter of Zephaniah, there is this sudden and abrupt turning. What happens on the day of the Lord shifts from being destruction to restoration, this beautiful passage that we just read. And what happens? In verse 11, it says, For on that day, the same day, the Lord will remove from Jerusalem the proudly exalted ones, and instead leave in your midst the people humble and lowly, and these people will seek refuge in the name of the Lord. The Lord then tells these people, this is the same people that earlier had been prophesied to, by the way, to sing, rejoice, exalt, to fear not. Do not fear. They have just listened to a detailed description of their destruction for a long time. And now they're not supposed to be afraid? Why? Because the Lord, the King of Israel, has taken away their destruction and he is with them. He has restored their fortunes before their very eyes. The Mighty One saves them. This reminds me of the first Passover. The first Passover was a day of utter judgment on the Egyptians as the angel of the Lord killed all the firstborn sons since Pharaoh had not obeyed the Lord in his voice. The Lord passed over, though, the houses of the Israelites whose door frames, you know, were covered in the blood of the Lamb. So similarly, on this day of judgment that Sevenai is prophesying about, the Lord passes, though, over his people, those who have seeking refuge in his name. But this time, on the day of the Lord, instead of just passing over or saving his people from destruction, he remains with them. He sings over them. He rejoices with them and over them. He quiets them by his love. It's an image of a father holding his child to him and singing over him. So how can this possibly be, and what can this mean for us today? Jesus is the mighty one. There is, such, there is this such abrupt, abrupt shift in Zephaniah because Jesus saved us who believe once and for all by what he did on the cross. And even though I have heard this passage read every year in vigil since I was an infant, it wasn't until preparing for this message that I realized more fully that the reason the destruction is taken away is because he bore it for us. It is through his blood that we are saved. For sin has brought us complete separation for God, and it said on the cross, Jesus, both fully God and fully man, brought us back to himself, brought us back to God. And because of Jesus' death and resurrection, the Lord actually can be with us forever. We can be with the Lord forever, and the Lord is now in our midst. And what happens when the Lord is with us? When the Lord was with Adam and Eve in the garden, they walked with him in fullness of life. When the Lord was with Noah, he was saved and his family was spared. When the Lord was with Abraham, he provided a sacrificial lamb. When the Lord was with the Israelites, he parted the Red Sea, and they were freed from slavery. Then the Lord sent his Son to be with us. Jesus was with us when he walked on earth and was nailed to a cross, taking upon himself our punishment that we deserved and giving us forgiveness. And Jesus was with us when he rose to new life, giving us new life in him. He is the King in our midst. We have no right to fear. But as God's people, though, we do feel fear. And not only do we feel afraid, but we can act out of our fear, have our lives based on our fear and not on the Lord and him being with us. 
I distinctly remember as a high schooler, I was so afraid of people not liking me that at school, I played like the, I was a complete chameleon. At school, I would say all the things my friends wanted me to say if, and, um, you know, participate in the sin with them. And then at church, I was so afraid even to confess my sin to people because I didn't want them to reject me, me who they looked at as the perfect pastor's kid. So we may know intellectually that all things we fear are temporary fleeting from this world. We may know in our minds that it is evil and sin and the broken results of evil and sin that cause us to fear. And we may know in our minds that this world is not the end, that as Zephaniah foretells, God will wipe away evil and restore all creation. I'm sure I would have told you all those things. And yet we may let our anxieties, fears, worries consume and erode us. Why? Because the Lord is not in the midst of them. It is only by the presence of the Lord that we may actually believe and truly know that his promises are real and that we do have this eternal hope. It's the presence of the Lord that turns our fear to joy, even if the circumstances that cause us to fear do not change. Boko Haram is still a presence of evil in Nigeria. But instead of acting out of of fear, our brothers and sisters in Nigeria are still able to praise the Lord and actually go back to the places where Boko Haram has been. It is the Lord in their midst that allows them to be raised up and go back there. Because from a human, worldly perspective, they have every right to be afraid and to not want to go back. Four weeks ago, as I was sitting right there and my mind was spiraling from fear to despair about my friend and realizing that she could die, a line from the sermon ministered to me. The preacher that day, Candelez, said, We do not make heaven. Jesus made heaven. And I knew I will leave not just with my mind, but with my soul and my spirit. The Lord gave me a glimpse of his eternal kingdom. Jesus did actually make heaven. He is the mighty one that saves us. His resurrection is real. And because his resurrection is real, our resurrection is real. And we have a hope that cannot be destroyed. God was with my friend. Even if my friend died, God would be with her. And even more than that, I would be with her again on the day of the Lord in our heavenly home. Now, I was still afraid for her life and was fervently praying for her healing, but there was an emotion deeper and greater and one that I was entirely not expecting. Joy. For we have a perfect, eternal home because of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. Through his life, death, and resurrection. The presence of the Lord that day cast out my fear. For in the end, the lame will walk, the lowly will be raised up, sickness will turn to health, anxiety will turn to praise. So no matter what circumstances we are in, we can rejoice for the Lord is with us. So what fear are you carrying this morning? Is the Lord in the midst of your fear? Whatever burden of fear you are carrying, lay it at the foot of the cross. 
Ask the Lord to give you faith to believe in his eternal victory. And instead of being afraid, hide in the presence of Christ and allow him to turn your fear into praise. It's possible. He can do it. For on that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness, and he will quiet you by his love. Amen.